So it is Friday. Yes, it's not five o'clock. It's not crackerjack, but it's brilliant to have you with us and welcome to Rebuilding Business, our series of interviews with outstanding entrepreneurs and experienced leaders who have brilliant reputations as trailblazers. And our intention, as you know, if you've been listening throughout the week, is to share that experience with you over five bite-sized interviews. We've been here every day this week with the wonderful Jay Allen. And our intention is to help you to consider how in this age of COVID, are you going to rebuild or improve the sustainability of your business? How are you going to use creativity and innovation to beat your competition? Or with a little bit of luck, I think it's not just little nuggets. We've got some great big boulders over this last week on, I hope, things that are going to help you in your leadership journey. So here we are. Jay, we're back. We've made it to the end of the week. Good morning, Lily. Good morning. I'll just share in case people are catching up for the moment. And I totally recommend that you go back through our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday interviews, because Jay is a two times global entrepreneur, big impact to business award winning scale mentor. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Uh, he's listed in the UK on the Clear Business Thinking Power 100. He served as a rapid deployment soldier with the British Army and has subsequently gone on to work with the highest level of business, uh, working with two of our national supermarket chains, helping them to secure more than £500 million before branching out to a new, into a new entrepreneur role to set up four of his own businesses, two that he scaled and exited before founding the Add a Zero Business Challenge. And here we are to talk about Add a Zero today on Friday. Um, first of all, can you explain to me, what is it? I was fascinated by failure. I've always been, I've always delved into research. As, you, as we discovered yesterday, I, I'm very keen to be able to do my own research as opposed to simply rely on what's, what's out there and available in the hope that some of it might be relevant or viable. And I was always fascinated to find out as to what causes successful businesses to subsequently then fail. So we started off by looking at Woolworths, which was a significant impact on us and our business. Um, and then from that, we started to find some common flaws, which we talked about on Wednesday. And off the back of that, we started to realise that there was this there was these three flaws that were present in, in many, many big businesses. Well, off the back of that, I wanted to then understand as to, so how big do you have to get before these problems really become significant? And, and why is it that we don't address them at the time that we first recognise them? Why don't we stop for a minute and, and press pause and fix the problem as opposed to sticking a plaster over it and hoping that it'll, it'll get through? And for that, I needed the help of two of the largest small business organisations in the, in the UK, the Chamber of Commerce and the Federation of Small Businesses. So I approached both of those with the research and said, can you help me audit your membership? Now, bear in mind that at the time, collectively, they had about 312, 313,000 SMEs that were either a member of one or the other or both. And they were kind enough, based on the size of research that we were doing, to incentivise their members slightly, just so we could get a really, really good study group that we ended up with almost 117,000 responses to determine as to whether any of these flaws that we talked about were already present in, in smaller businesses and, and what was being done about it. And I was really quite gobsmacked, quite shocked to find that 86% of the people that responded acknowledged at least one of the flaws was already in their business. Sometimes from, from start-up onwards, they, they'd start up and, and they'd set out, you know, two Steves in a, in a shed, but didn't have a business plan, didn't really have a consideration with regards to where they wanted to go with it. Um, 
and it, it really starts to make me realize that perhaps there needed to be something in place to be able to help businesses of, of all sizes from SME all the way through to PLC to be able to have some form of benchmarkings to say what oughts do we have in place in order to create significant and sustainable scale. So we set about creating a series of questions or almost engineering a series of questions, not of the business owner, but of the business to say, have you got this in place? And if not, when are you going to have it in place? Because otherwise this is likely to be the overall impact at some stage in the future. Um, we start to create these questions. The more questions that were created, the more we realized that we needed to be quite diverse in the questions that we asked in order to be able to meet both product and service, uh, both clicks and bricks, um, to be able to consider both modern and more traditional style of business. And over a period of time, we've built that library to, to 176 questions that we could ask. I'm not saying that each one of them is always relevant to every business, but a, a bank of 176 questions to be able to pose to businesses to establish as to, are you yet ready to significantly and sustainably scale the business beyond the normal realms of growth? We then divided those into three different segments. These are the initial starter questions that we really ought to have in place to ensure that you've got a solid foundation on which to scale a business rather than simply grow a lifestyle style business. And then we've got a, a big chunk of questions based on those foundations to say, well, these are the additional things that perhaps you ought to give considerations to if you want to move from a lifestyle growth business into a scale mentality. Just to clarify, the American model is a lot more defined with regards to what scale is. And, and for them, it's a minimum of 25% net growth per quarter. Um, so I wanted to be able to ensure that we were able to support businesses to be able to hit that and then subsequently sustain that as it continues to go forward, as opposed to growing broke. And then finally, we've got a few questions at the very top, at the very end, with regards to once you're scaling, what does exit or legacy look like? And what are the additional things that perhaps we ought to have in place in order to be able to manage and maintain that, as opposed to when you leave and the visionary behind this, that it doesn't all collapse behind you? And that's a critical thing, isn't it? Succession is something that so many people leave too late. I'm, I'm going to come back to Ada Zero in just a minute, but how many times do you find in business, and I, and, I, and I see this time and again, particularly on the SME market, where dad or granddad started the business, you know, and dad is 82 years old and he's still working in the business and he's clinging on by his fingertips and his son or his daughter would like to bring the business into the 21st century, but no, Mr. Masters down the road, did our first order in 1982. We don't make any money on him, but he's my friend. You know, how much of that do you see with those lifestyle businesses where you've got the younger bucks coming through who absolutely want to change the way that we're doing things, change the way that we're making things happening. Um, but the, we've got the, you know, the older way of doing things because it is a family business stopping that change from happening. How often do you see that? Oh, all the time, all the time. And ironically, there's both a pro and a con to both of those options. You see, in businesses that do exceptionally well in the legacy and the handover, it's usually where the older, uh, more mature and more established people in the business understand that in order for the business to continue to grow and evolve, it has to be able to do so in the environment that we're in. Um, so to be open to evolution, um, and to be able to allow people to be able to move and to experiment into new areas as they evolve through the business before it's handed over 
is critical if we're going to be able to see a, a smooth handover without any form of blip. Um, in the contrary, those that turn around and say, right, lad, it's all yours. I've done my bit and they walk away. And automatically there's such a, a sub significant and, and quite diverse shift so quickly that in actual fact, it's the wrong clients or it's the wrong environment or it's the wrong product or the wrong sale value um, that subsequently caused this bubble and this, well, it's not quite what I expected it to be. And it all starts to implode. Interestingly enough, there was some study done by De Montfort University in 2016 that found that businesses that have got an age gap within the workforce, not just the management structure, but across the whole employee regime of three decades. Um, that's not three generations, but three <laughs> decades. People in their 20s, 30s and 40s that all work collectively in the business are the ones that have a 9% better growth opportunity than those that have got a single um, single decade uh, ownership where they've got a, a young team or an old team um, mm -hmm. and one's moved and allowed the others to simply come in and take over. So to exactly. be able to have this transition period that allows the devolution of ownership as well as the evolution of business continui continu continuity are the ones that are going to be able to see the greatest shift. It's maximising that experience, isn't it? And combining that with the innovation, the creativity and the different ways of thinking. So coming back to add a zero, which is it sort of does what it says on the tin. If you've got a million turnover, then let's turn it to 10 million. I take it off. You've got 100,000. Let's make that into a million. So it's fairly substantial. Um, it's obviously not a challenge or a programme that's for everybody. So who is it not for? Great question, Lily. Um, ironically, we, we, we ran into trouble with this about two years ago by thinking that we could make it available to all because we'd done all the research to support um, the, the clicks and bricks and the service and product. And we thought we'd been as, as diverse and inclusive as possible that in actual fact, we could just simply offer this and simply say, take it and, and run with it. And the simple fact is that there's a lot of things within here to move to a scale model as opposed to a growth model that are, as you found throughout our conversations this week, significantly challenging uh, of people's previous thoughts and concepts with regards to what they do in business. And we often find that those who struggle to be able to adopt the Adazero mentality uh, and methodology the most are the ones that are the, that won't happen, that won't work in my industry, lad. Um, they are so stuck in the rut of what they've done to get them to where they are that they're unwilling or at the best willing to dip their toe in the waters to be able to do a, a new methodology or a new method of working, even though we've got a guarantee on the programme and even though we know that it's worked, you know, with the beta test model, we, we tested this on 12 businesses um, where we handheld them through every single step of it. Seven of the 12 went on to be national finalists in Entrepreneur of the Year as a result of implementing the programme. We know it works. It only works with people that are willing to be able to get in and have a swim with us as opposed to sit on the side and dip the toe. And dip in the, the toe. Yeah, absolutely. So um, talking about Add a Zero then, this is your programme you're from your business, isn't it? My True North. How do you, I'm just changing because we've suddenly the sun has, has come up and we were, we started this interview and it was fairly dull outside. So the sun is streaming in through my office window. So I'm just going to move my laptop. You had a halo over your head for a minute. I, I can say I look like maybe I look like I've sort of died and gone to heaven or something. <laughs> Not quite that old. Um, so just to think about uh, accessing this, how do they access the program? 
Well, that's really easy because, as you know, that we're delighted to be working in association with uh, with yourself um, at Morgan James, and therefore we've created our own separate landing page um, within the business to be able to recognise anyone that comes um, as a result of the association with yourself. So, if people were to simply visit www mytruenorth.biz but then forward slash Morgan James you'll automatically land on the shared ownership landing page that demonstrates that we're working together talks a little bit about you and what you offer within Morgan James and then a link that then takes you to the other zero challenge and how to be able to get started on your own. Fantastic and I, I think I'm always concerned when I go into a business and I talk to the leadership team about actually what are you doing to invest in yourself in your own development what are you doing to invest in your people and i say yeah what's what's the budget that you have training and development and people say oh no well we do the the legalities yeah we've got to do some health and safety or we've got to do some food tech or whatever it is but they don't consider it a, a appropriate investment to put a level of investment into their own development so therefore they're missing out significantly um what what's your what's your response to that i mean mine is to try not to you know, to try and be very calm and very sensible about it but, but how would you persuade people that this is an investment that is so worth it there's two quick answers for that the first of all is to get them to understand and accept that none of us know what we don't know and therefore, what's probably holding us back and what I tend to find, certainly within the, the first two or three hours of working with a new client, we can usually find more money than they've ever invested in us to be able to get us to be able to do that, um, is simply be able to accept the fact that the one thing that perhaps we don't know yet is the one biggest hurdle that's preventing us from making the biggest progress. But as a rule, we offer a guarantee that if if you've invested in the program and it hasn't delivered at least more than you've been charged for doing so, how much we've invested, uh, you've invested in it to doing so, then we'll gladly give you the difference back um, or continue to work with you free of charge until such a time as it has done. But as a rule, that's never been a problem. Uh, we've been in business now for seven years as a limited company. We've been offering the Add a Zero Now Challenge. This is, we're just entering um, into our fourth years from beta testing and then commercial offering. Um, and as a rule, none of our clients, 163 people so far, or 163 businesses have gone through the Add a Zero Challenge, and not one of them has invested more than 10% of what we've generated for them through the programme. That's a little bit of a no-brainer, isn't it, really? Well, um, on, on average last year, we added £126,400 net profits to the business and not one of the clients paid more than 12000 for us doing so. Right. OK, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good start. So I think really if you are um, an SME and, or, you know, a, a startup and you're just really getting going, I, I would totally recommend that you that you come and spend some time with this man, but be prepared to be challenged. Um, I'm absolutely certain that people have been challenged and they will have been scribbling notes like crazy, Jay, over this past week. It's been fantastic to speak with you. Thank you so much for so much of your time. I know you're a really busy man, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to continue our work, continue this journey together through strategic leaders program through uh add a zero through the kind of work that we that we do because i always i come away for myself personally always with some new ideas from speaking with you and also i sometimes think i've got to stop doing that and i've got a couple of those that have come out of this week so thank you so much and i look forward to seeing you soon 
Lily, delighted. Thank you very much for the opportunity and the chance to be able to speak to your audience. Thank you. Brilliant. Take care.